0: If they were honest about it, they'd start a major investigation into the Biden. It's a very simple answer. They should investigate the Biden. And by the way, likewise, China should start an investigation into the Biden.
1: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. I'm so scared because I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. To the left me us to the right Here I am
0: Stuck in the middle with
2: you yes. From Pacifica Radio This is the broadcast As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles Elsewhere in California On KFOI Red Bluff Redding KKRN Round Mountain KGOE Eureka In Oregon on KYAQ on the Central Coast KSO in Cottage Grove KEPW in Eugene Lancaster, Pennsylvania, WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii, KAKU. Columbus, Ohio, WGRN. Palinville, New York, WLPP. Grand Rapids, Michigan, WPRR. New Orleans, Louisiana, WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico, KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire, WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas, KPSQ. Seattle, Washington, KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin, WADR. Minneapolis-St. Paul, AM 950, KTNF, and coast-to-coast and around the globe, streaming on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing the globe five days a week as usually hosted by Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. But today, once again, you got Nicole Sandler, that's me, host of The Nicole Sandler Show, based at NicoleSandler.com. And oh my goodness, just when you thought you've heard it all, Donald Trump opens his mouth again. On Wednesday, the world witnessed a day-long presidential meltdown, the likes of which we had never seen before. And that's saying a lot, considering the track record of Donald Trump's tantrums since taking office. As it was unfolding, I thought one of the factors contributing to his behavior was that urgent request for a meeting by the inspector general of the State Department with congressional committee staffers. Turns out that was just another desperate attempt by the Trump camp to make excuses for the president's behavior. Congressman Jamie Raskin was the only member of Congress in the briefing room. He emerged to explain to the press that the inspector general presented them with a packet of propaganda that was being distributed by the secretary of state.
3: It's essentially a packet of propaganda and disinformation spreading conspiracy theories. Those conspiracy theories have been widely debunked and discredited. Why was Secretary of State Pompeo in possession of this packet of disinformation? Why did he distribute it and circulate it? To whom else did he distribute it and circulate it? And why was his staff involved in that process?
2: In a joint statement, House Foreign Affairs Chairman Elliot Engel, Intelligence Committee Chair Adam Schiff, and Oversight and Reform Chairman Elijah Cummings said that the documents, quote, reinforced concern that the president and his allies sought to use the machinery of the State Department to further the president's personal political interests. Oh, and Rudy Giuliani confirmed that he gave the documents to Secretary Mike Pompeo. So that wasn't what set off Trump on Wednesday morning when he began the day with a tweet complete with lies, bad grammar, and profanity. Perhaps it was the press conference held by Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff that he undoubtedly watched.
3: The whistleblower has the right on the statute to remain anonymous, uh, and we will do everything in our power to make sure that that whistleblower is protected. Um, this is a blatant effort to intimidate witnesses. Uh, it's an incitement of violence, um, and I would hope, and we're starting to see members of both parties speaking out against attacking this whistleblower, or others that have pertinent information. Um, so the other thing I wanted to underscore, though, is um, what the whistleblower has set out that is within our power to this date to confirm, we see confirmed in that call record. The president can attack the whistleblower rhetorically all the president wants. It doesn't change the fact that the record of that call shows the president of the United States in a same conversation, indeed immediately after the Ukraine president asked for more military help, the president of the United States asked that leader a favor though. Uh, and. No attack uh, on the whistleblower or anyone else is going to change those underlying facts.
2: Obviously, the stress is getting to Trump. His meltdown continued both on Twitter and on the world stage as he met with the president of Finland. He ranted and raved inside the Oval Office during the press pool spray, while President Sauli Ninisto of Finland looked on in horror. The
0: fake news media is saying that you said this in a book. I said, what book? And they said, Washington Post. They said, well, obviously it's fake. Because almost everything the Washington Post does is fake. It's a fake newspaper. It's owned by a rich guy for the purposes of giving him power uh, in Washington. It's really, I mean, it's a lobbyist. I call it the lobbyist Washington Post.
2: So that rant went on for a while, even though the story he was ranting about was actually from the New York Times, not the Washington Post. Trump's tantrum continued when the two presidents reconvened for a press conference, during which Reuters' Jeff Mason attempted to get an answer to a very straightforward question.
4: You just make clear right here, what do you or what did you want President Zelensky to do with regard to Joe and Hunter Biden.
2: Now, the first time he was asked, Trump deflected with a rambling non-answer, complaining that the U.S. is alone in giving monetary support to Ukraine, a non-answer that went on for over two minutes. So Jeff Mason tried again.
3: What about Mr. Biden? What did you want about Biden? What did you want him to look into on Biden?
0: Look, Biden and his son are stone-cold crooked. And you know it, his son walks out with millions of dollars The kid knows nothing. You know it, and so do we. Go ahead, ask a question.
2: Instead of answering the question this time, Trump leveled an unsubstantiated personal attack against the former Vice President Joe Biden and his son, and then directed Jeff Mason to ask the president of Finland a question. But Mason persisted in trying to get him to answer his original question. Donald Trump didn't like that not one bit.
4: The question, sir, was what did you want President Zelensky to do about Pre- Vice President Biden and his son, Hunter?
0: Are you talking to me?
4: Yeah, you it was just patient? a follow-up of what I just asked listen, you, sir.
0: Listen, are you ready?
4: We have the president of Finland. Ask him a question. I have one for him. I just wanted to follow up on the one that I asked you, which did one, you hear what me? Did you, did you hear to... me?
0: Yes, Ask sir. him a question.
4: I, I will. But I've my...
0: given you a long answer. Ask
4: This gentleman, a question. Don't be rude. No, sir, I don't want to be rude. I just wanted you to have a chance to answer the question that I asked you. I've answered
0: everything. It's a whole hoax. And you know who's playing into the hoax? People like you and the fake news media that we have in this country. And I say, in many cases, the corrupt media, because you're corrupt. Much of the media in this country is not just fake, it's corrupt. And you have some very fine people, too. Great journalists, great reporters, but to a large extent, It's corrupt and it's fake. Ask the president of Finland a question, please. Okay, I'll move on now.
2: So the reporter moves on and asks the president of Finland a question, and Trump jumps in with his own answer to the question directed toward President Ninisto, who did get at least a few words in edgewise.
3: Mr. President, you have here a great democracy. Keep it going on.
2: And for the cherry on top, when a Finnish reporter had the chance to ask a question, there were audible gasps in the room. Because this is the
0: biggest
5: issue here at the moment, I have to ask, what kind of favors has Mr. Trump asked from you?
0: Or the other way around, you mean
2: what favors I asked, or I think was you mean asked. the other way around. So that happened. Things promised to be equally interesting on Thursday as the House continues its impeachment investigation into Trump with recently resigned special envoy to Ukraine Kurt Volker. He'll meet with House Intel, Foreign Affairs, and Oversight Committee members behind closed doors. Well, with new revelations coming out almost hourly, it's becoming more apparent that Trump didn't act alone. The Washington Post is out with a news story detailing Vice President Mike Pence's involvement in every aspect of the Ukraine matter, reporting that Trump repeatedly involved... Pence, in efforts to exert pressure on the leader of Ukraine at a time when the president was using other channels to solicit information that he hoped would be damaging to a Democratic rival, quote, Trump instructed Pence not to attend the inauguration of Ukrainian President Zelensky in May, an event White House officials had pushed to put on the vice president's calendar when Ukraine's new leader was seeking recognition and support from Washington. Months later, the president used Pence to tell Zelensky that U.S. aid was still being withheld while demanding more aggressive action on corruption. At that time, following Trump's July 25th phone call with Zelensky, the Ukrainians probably understood action on corruption to include the investigation of former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter. And there's more. It's all outlined in that Washington Post story. Despite Mike Pence's protestations that he was unaware of what was going on, the fact is that one of his top advisors was on that July 25th call, and the vice president should have had access to the transcript within hours. But wait, there's more. The Washington Post is also reporting that Rudy Giuliani consulted several times in recent months with Paul Manafort. Trump's imprisoned former campaign chairman for help in pushing his conspiracy theory that the real story of the 2016 election was not Russian interference to elect Trump, but Ukrainian efforts to support Hillary Clinton. And yet another report gives evidence that Senate Judiciary Chairman Lindsey Graham sent letters to the Prime Ministers of Australia, Italy, and Britain requesting their, quote, continued cooperation with Attorney General Barr as the Department of Justice continues to investigate the origins and extent of foreign influence in the 2016 election. Yes, the Attorney General, Bill Barr, is also up to his ears in carrying out the President's personal political vendetta. Oh, but there's so much more. As Donald Trump's sycophants circle the wagons, it's worth remembering Russia's involvement in all of this. After all, that's where it all began, right? In Moscow on Wednesday, NBC's Keir Simmons asked Vladimir Putin about potential Russian interference in the 2020 U.S. elections. Putin mocked the question with a sarcastic answer.
0: Is Russia as Robert Miller... ...alleged attempting to influence the 2020 elections
1: in the United
4: States. I'll tell you in a secret. Yes, we will definitely intervene. It's a secret
3: so that everybody can laugh and uh, so we go big. But don't tell anyone, please.
2: Seriously. This coming on the heels of the news that during that 2017 Oval Office meeting with Russians Lavrov and Kislyak, the president of the United States actually told those two Russian officials that he wasn't at all concerned about Moscow's meddling in the U.S. elections. Comments that prompted White House officials to then limit access to their summary of that meeting just as they hid readouts of phone calls to foreign leaders in which Trump allegedly asked for political favors. It just gets curiouser and curiouser, doesn't it? And then, of course, we go to this morning when, as Trump was getting ready to leave the White House en route to Ocala, Florida, to visit the villages, he did it out in the open. Rachel Maddow was on The View Thursday morning, when Megan McCain and Abby Huntsman piled on her asking if it's a sort of a case of the boy who cried wolf that there's been so many allegations thrown out against Trump, does she worry that people are tuning it out? She said that this is indicative of an administration where there's been so many offenses that any other president would have already been impeached for. And then she said, as a matter of fact, just this morning. Just before you guys got on the air today, the president went out on the South Lawn and he was asked...
4: What did you want the Ukrainians to do? And he said, I
1: want him to investigate Biden. Right. And I want the Chinese to do it too. So all yeah, this question to, about like, yeah. did this happen on the call? Yeah. And was it hearsay? And who's the whistleblower yeah. and how it was handled? Like, we can put all that aside. He's just admitted to it on the South yeah. line. So you don't need an inquiry. I feel but, like but I I'm getting
0: closer with you. Maybe he should take a rest
1: a for a-, a, a, a home. Home.
2: As always, there is other news happening. So let me fill you in on a few of the other things that the Trump administration is trying to pull while we're not paying attention. The New York Times is reporting that the Trump administration is moving to collect DNA samples from hundreds of thousands of people booked into federal immigration custody each year and to enter those results into a national criminal database, an immense expansion of the use of technology to enforce immigration laws. Senior officials at the Department of Homeland Security said Wednesday that the Justice Department was developing a federal regulation that would give immigration officers the authority to collect DNA in detention facilities across the country that are currently holding more than 40,000 people. The move would funnel thousands of new records to the FBI, whose DNA database has heretofore been limited mainly to genetic markers collected from people who have been arrested, charged, or convicted in connection with serious crimes. I do have some good news to share. Bernie Sanders is out of the hospital, and his campaign confirms that Bernie will participate in the October 15th CNN New York Times debate. Not that I ever had any doubt about that, Because Bernie (laughs) takes a looking and keeps on ticking. And there's some new polling out. I'm not talking about the presidential race. I'm talking about polling on the impeachment. This from USA Today. Americans support the House impeaching Donald Trump by a margin of 45 to 38 percent. They support Senate conviction and removal by 44 to 35 percent and 30% of republicans say pressure on ukraine to smear joe biden is an abuse of power i see a trend developing and we're now getting word out of that special closed door testimony from kurt volker who resigned last week as a us special envoy for ukraine As I mentioned earlier, Kurt Volker was set to testify Thursday morning before investigators in the House impeachment inquiry from the Intelligence, Oversight, and Foreign Affairs Committees. The Washington Post reporting, That Kurt Volker told House investigators that he had warned Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, that Giuliani was receiving untrustworthy information from Ukrainian political figures about former Vice President Joe Biden and his son, this according to two people familiar with his testimony. Volker, who resigned last week after being named in a whistleblower complaint that sparked the House impeachment inquiry of Trump, said he tried to caution Giuliani that his sources, including Ukraine's former top prosecutor were unreliable and that he should be careful about putting faith in the prosecutor's stories, according to the people who spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss the closed-door meeting. The Washington Post story goes on to say that Volcker's testimony offers the first inside account of the Trump administration's efforts to press for a Ukrainian investigation into Trump's political rival. At the heart of this effort is Giuliani's contention that, as vice president, Biden pushed for the firing of Ukraine's former prosecutor general, Viktor Shokin as part of a corrupt plot to halt investigations into a Ukrainian natural gas company that employed Biden's son, Hunter. Joe Biden has denied the accusation, and foreign policy experts have pointed out that Biden's push to remove Shokin was part of a broader international effort that included the European Union and the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, where leaders viewed Shokin as inept. Volker also said that he and other State Department officials cautioned the Ukrainians to steer clear of U.S. politics. Getting involved, he said, he told them would open up the nation to allegations that they were interfering in an election and could be detrimental to Ukraine long term, according to these two individuals. Volker spent hours being questioned by members of these House committees leading the impeachment inquiry, the first of five former and State Department officials to testify as part of the probe. In advance of his appearance Thursday morning, Volker turned over a number of documents to congressional staffers, including a chain of text messages with Giuliani. This, according to a person familiar with the matter who, like others, spoke on the condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to comment publicly. Volker also reportedly turned over physical documents, white papers, and correspondence with other officials. Whether we get to hear what's in those documents or anything more about this remains to be seen. I think that's enough for now. <laughs> we'll take a quick timeout and come back on the other side and get some insight from one of our favorite independent journalists, Marcy Wheeler of EmptyWheel.net, She'll give us her thoughts on what the hell is going on. I'm Nicole Sandler, your guest host on today's edition of The Bradcast.
4: Hey, this is Brad. Remember me, the guy who was warning you about Donald Trump from the day he entered the race, when the rest of the U.S. media were telling you his candidacy was a joke, that he'd never win, and that Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. We told you otherwise from the beginning and up until Election Day. Well, we may have been right, but we still don't have corporate or foundational support. We still rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please stop by bradblog.com/donate to support the work that Desi Doyan and I do every day. This country ain't gonna save itself, but we can all do it together. That's bradblog.com/donate, and thank you.
2: Welcome back to the Bradcast. You got me again, Nicole Sandler of The Nicole Sandler Show at NicoleSandler.com filling in for Brad and Desi. If you're a regular listener of the show, you know I've been filling in for a while now. They've been off. Brad's father suffered a pretty major stroke back a, a few weeks ago and unfortunately lost his battle. Brad's been with his mother and his family dealing with funerals and everything that goes along with losing a parent. So... They're doing all they can to get back as soon as they can, but they also know that we've got things covered here. That's what friends are for, right? So we'll hold down the fort until they get back, hopefully in the next week or so. In the meantime, I'm doing my best (laughs) to try to keep up to date on all the breaking news that's going by at warp speed. And as much as I feel like I've got a handle on things, I know I will always learn something from Marcy Wheeler. Now, you read Marcy, of course, at emptywheel.net. And I know (laughs) when no one else can, Marcy Wheeler can answer my questions. On the line with us is Marcy Wheeler. You know, she's an independent journalist, she covers national security and civil liberties. At her blog, EmptyWheel.net, as seen, though not often enough, on television and radio and published in other places as well as she should be. So, Marcy, you were out for a while as this whole new mess was breaking, but you caught up quickly and seemed to be zeroing in on Attorney General Bill Barr's involvement and the fact that the Department of Justice treated his implication as top secret. Is that your focus right now?
5: Um, Yeah, well, I've got two foci. One is, and I hope to do a post in the next day or so, to show how what he's doing is literally chasing the conspiracy theories that were laundered through George Papadopoulos, whom DOJ prosecuted for lying to DOJ, basically. So he's chasing conspiracy theories from somebody, from the coffee boy, basically. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. But yeah, as you said... um, we know that what happened was first the CIA general counsel got this vague complaint. She went to DOJ, um, a guy named John Demers, who's in charge of National Security Division, and the two of them went to the White House, uh, alerting, by the way, all the people mentioned in the complaint, and uh, they went to the White House and they reviewed what is being called a transcript, although there are renewed questions Uh about uh, what has been left out of the transcript. And so from that moment on, somebody at DOJ, and this is supposed to have happened around August 14th, somebody at DOJ knew that Bill Barr was named in the quote-unquote transcript. And everything that happened after that is more information came into DOJ, um, and DOJ decided to evaluate whether or not the intelligence community inspector general had to share the complaint with Congress and wrote an opinion, the The Office of Legal Counsel wrote an opinion saying basically no, they didn't have to, uh, based on an interpretation which is wrong, but nevertheless, OLC does a lot of bad, this is where John, you used to work,
2: right?
5: Uh, uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, OLC has a history of making bad um, analysis. Um, and in this case, um, they they basically said no, you you can't share it because this complaint only implicates the president. That's false, but that's what they told the ICIG, and then they classified that decision top secret.
2: Wow! And 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 the thing that that we haven't even gotten into here is the fact that they should have not even been privy to, to this whistleblower's complaint because the chain of uh, custody, I guess, probably the wrong terminology, goes from the intelligence community's inspector general to the DNI to Congress. It was never supposed to go to the DOJ or to the White House, who, by the way, was the subject of the complaint.
5: Yeah, I mean, um, the New York Times, which reported that CIA's general counsel was the first one to get this complaint... Um, they report, and I think this is accurate, that um, the general counsel did what general counsels do. I, I don't think she, uh, Courtney Elwood is her name, Courtney mm-hmm. Simmons-Elwood. I don't think I don't think we should assume that she's part of the cover-up. There's plenty of people who seem to be part of the cover-up. I don't think we should assume that. It's just that whistleblowers make the mistake of going to general counsels, and that a- always tends to be a mistake. Huh. Um, and so that part of it, um, did give both doj and the white house a heads up that this complaint was coming um but the whistleblower because he went through two other channels uh, one to congress and one to the uh, inspector general managed to get his complaint out anyway it just took knowing how the process works and took lawyering up and so on and so forth
2: Gotcha. So, so you've been looking at uh, again Barr's uh, involvement in it, which we learned about from the whistleblower complaint. This is when we first learned that Donald Trump and his allies were trying to get information from foreign leaders about for dirt on Joe Biden, a political opponent of the president. This alone, it's amazing that Donald Trump says the call was perfect. Right? He he didn't see any problem with it. They they released this readout of the call, what I call not a transcript, because if you read it out loud, it takes anywhere from five to 11 minutes, and the call went on for 30 minutes. So obviously, there's a lot we don't know went on in that call. But now we learn about who else is involved. And it's not only Bill Barr, but it's also Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, the Vice President Mike Pence, Senator Lindsey Graham, and of course, Rudy Giuliani.
5: I want to go back and and distinguish two things, Nicole, because I think it's important. Please. One is what Bill Barr is doing. Bill Barr claims to be um, invested. He claims to have asked John Durham, who's the U.S. attorney from Connecticut. He claims the the same one who did a second investigation of torture, by the way. Um, Mm -hmm. So he claims to have put uh, John Durham in charge of an investigation into the origins of the Russian investigation. Um, And... As part of that, Bill Barr, who is not an FBI line agent, is doing what FBI line agents are supposed to do, which is fly all over the world and and gather evidence. Bill Barr's never been an FBI line agent. Bill Barr hasn't been uh, a a lawyer representing clients doing investigative work for a very long time. But nevertheless, Bill Barr is putting himself in the role of an FBI line agent to collect evidence um, that is trying to corroborate George Papadopoulos' conspiracy theories. That's what I said earlier. And it's important people distinguish that because um, as we talk about the way in which Trump is coercing people, right? So Mm -hmm. it's very clear that he coerced the president of Ukraine for certain outcomes. Um, One of the things he's he's trying to coerce people to do is Invent propaganda to feed, to corroborate George Papadopoulos's uh, crazed conspiracy theories. Wow. And that is what the Attorney General of the United States is spending his days doing. And that's it's, it's breathtaking. It is right.
2: instead of the business of the attorney general of being the lawyer for the for the American people, he is uh, fulfilling, I guess, the role he auditioned for when he wrote that op ed on May 12th, 2017, applauding Donald Trump's decision to fire James Comey. This goes all the way back to that, doesn't it?
5: Yes. And even before I, I um, did a post yesterday showing that literally the weekend that um uh rod rosenstein was appointing Mueller to do the russian investigation um he twice got forwarded bill barr's op-ed saying yeah it was it was a cool thing to fire jim comey and it's not going to affect the russian investigation at all so um including by the now u.s attorney from the eastern district of virginia so um yeah i mean bill barr has been has been pursuing this role for a long time but it is critically important that people understand that what he is doing is not I mean he 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 you know the report is well he asked John Durham to conduct this investigation but no he's not actually letting John Durham conduct the investigation himself he is accompanying him as if John Durham needs a babysitter and oh by the way when they went to Italy last week, the ask was supposed to be, can we interview this guy that the FBI didn't succeed in doing a second interview with, Joseph Messud, who's at right. the beginning of this whole thing. They didn't get to interview him, at least according to the Daily Beast report. Instead, they sat in a room and watched a deposition that his Russian-backed lawyer had him do, yeah. as if that's worthwhile and useful to the investigation at all. Um, so so Bill Barr, the attorney general of the United States, isn't even getting what he is asking for. He's not getting anything that's going to be helpful to get to an actual understanding of what Joseph Mifsud is. He's just getting propaganda that a Russian-backed lawyer had his client put together.
2: So who is Joseph Mifsud?
5: Well, you know, the the, the Papadopoulos conspiracy theory is that he was actually rush, uh, uh, tied to Western intelligence, not Russian intelligence. I, you know one of the problems with this story is the way in which intelligence works. People work multiple angles all the time. like Felix Sater, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Felix Sater is a longtime FBI informant. Um, but he he couldn't have done a lot of what he did without close ties to. Other entities that themselves have informants. And so there are multiple cases of stuff like that. And um, and it's possible Mifsud is one. But Mifsud, for example, um, Mike Flynn is now complaining that Mifsud was at this RT dinner that uh-huh. uh, Flynn was at in uh-huh. 2015 with, with Putin. And that would lead you to believe he's pretty wired in with Russia. But at the same time as Flynn's complaining about that, the attorney general is going to Italy to sit in a room and watch a Russian propaganda film um, on Argonne.
2: Wow. You know, as going through uh, where they've traveled to, and we understand they've been to um, Australia to pressure the Australian prime minister to back up their story on, uh, again, this is where the whole George Papadopoulos thing originated from, that he uh, shot off his mouth to an Australian diplomat, was it?
5: Right. And actually, so Lindsey Graham has jumped on the conspiracy crazy train. Yes. And he wrote, so the, the countries we know this has occurred with is Ukraine, Italy, the UK, and Australia. Right. And um, yesterday, Lindsey Graham wrote letters to the leaders of three of those. Wow. Uh, I forget what he, I guess he didn't write one to Zelensky because okay. Zelensky's already promised to invent conspiracy stuff. Um, but, uh the Australian ambassador already wrote back to Lindsey Graham, making it very clear that Lindsey Graham is pursuing conspiracy theory. I mean, uh, Lindsey was claiming that Downer, that's the name of the ambassador that um, Papadopoulos ran his mouth to. Gotcha. Lindsey okay. claims that Downer was taping the meeting and was collecting intelligence on the Trump campaign. And um, the, the ambassador already said, look, that's not what happened. And if you need us to work with Bill Barr to understand that, we can continue to work with Bill Barr to get him to understand that. So one (laughs) of those has already been debunked. But one of the things that's interesting about this, Nicole, is that you've got the UK and you've got Italy. Boris Johnson would not be where he is right now if there weren't dodgy funding for the Remain campaign back in 2016. Mm -hmm. And that dodgy funding involves... We have reason to believe Russian Russian tied people. Wow. right? Wow. Um, and the Italian government um, has its own scandal right now about um, being, you know one of the parties that was part of government being funded, literally funded. like literally, here's a bank account. We're going to fund you a right- wing uh, uh, fascist party being funded by Russia. And so one of the other thing that's going on here is that of these countries, Um, Russia's playing in their elections as well. And so some of the people that Bill Barr is making these requests of are people who got where they are thanks to Vladimir Putin. And so he's basically chasing around the world, trying to read from a script that Russia gave effectively Russia and other oligarchs tied to Russia um, put in George Papadopoulos's mouth, uh, uh, a sworn lawyer, a sworn, sworn liar. And, and that's what the attorney general is running around the world trying to corroborate.
2: Wow. So that clarifies the Italy part of it. I mean, I understood the, uh, the, the connections with Australia because of Papadopoulos with, um, uh, the UK because of the, 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 the dossier. Um, obviously Ukraine, but Italy was still a question. So uh, this is sort of an aside, a sidebar, if you will. Lindsey Graham, what the hell? Do you think somebody's got something on him? I mean, what what happened to him?
5: I don't, uh, you know, I don't know. I think that I think that we have a really good question. Why it's not just that Lindsey Graham is such a sycophant to a sycophant to Trump? Mm-hmm. I mean, because there are lots of sycophants to Trump. Lindsey Graham, of course, said during the campaign. Lindsey Graham during the campaign sounded like Peter Strzok. Uh huh. You know, yep. I've done that. When people attack Peter Strzok for saying Donald Trump is not fit to be president, <laughs> for every time that Peter Strzok did that, you can come up with Lindsey Graham saying something exactly the same. Yep. Um, and so Lindsey Graham, having said that Donald Trump is not fit to be president now is his chief sycophant and chief defender. I don't know what, and, and the thing that's even more remarkable about that is I don't like Lindsey Graham, um, but I especially don't like Lindsey Graham, uh, because he is a neocon. I mean, he, you know, he, he is, he's a hawk and nevertheless he has embraced Trump even though their foreign policy has nothing in common, even though the things on which Trump is most aggressive, especially Europe and Ukraine, Lindsay doesn't agree with him or on paper doesn't agree with him. So it it is inexplicable. And I think there are good questions. I just don't think anyone's presented any evidence to substantiate claims that he's been compromised.
2: Uh, gotcha. Uh, although, I, maybe just he's lost his mind. I, I, it's the only way I
5: can account for his behavior. Yeah, I mean, he just wants to be close to power. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, w- let's just agree that it is a question that needs to be answered, and no one has provided compelling answers to that question. It, very good
2: point. So Marcy Wheeler is with us. So let's move on then to Rudy Giuliani, who is, I mean, unhinged, doesn't even begin to describe him over the last say few months although we could go back further um you know you put him and donald trump in a room together and you got to wonder who's more insane um and his role in this he's got no role in the administration and now it's not even clear whether or not he's officially donald trump's personal attorney yet he's claiming uh, or will claim attorney pri- uh, client privilege what's going on with rudy giuliani
5: yeah, I think that's very much more interesting. There was a report from Washington Post that he actually went to prison to consult with um, Paul Manafort <laughs> yes um, which is which is interesting because you know there again, what he's trying what Rudy Giuliani is trying to corroborate is that there was never a black ledger showing that Rudy Giuliani is corrupt as I'll get out. It doesn't matter. Rudy Giuliani's already sworn to this in court, right? Mm-hmm. Rudy Giuliani has already gone, if it's, if, whether or not there's a black ledger, Rudy Giuliani's corruption is not at this point contested. Rudy Giuliani has admitted it. Um, you know, if he wants to back out on that, it means he swore twice to courts that, you know, that, that aren't true. Um, but, but the other thing about Rudy Giuliani, which is interesting since I raised Manafort, Manafort remember was working for free during the campaign. Right. And one of the things that he lied about during the period when he was supposedly cooperating with Mueller is how he actually got paid. Um, Mueller was investigating basically a kickback system and, um, and, and, and Manafort invented one after another, after another explanation for the for what appeared to be obvious kickbacks. And so, what appears to have happened with Manafort is somebody else was paying him, and he was laundering money to actually get paid. We don't that you know that that hasn't been charged because Mueller was never, never able to figure it all out, but that appears to be what happened. Well, that seems to be what's happening with Rudy Giuliani. Um, there's this Ukrainian guy who wants to get in the gas business named Lev Parnas. And he is paying Rudy Giuliani. Huh. And huh. some of the conspiracy theories this is what came out from the State Department Inspector General just yesterday. Some of the conspiracy theories that Rudy is feeding into, so for example, the State Department to get the ambassador fired, those are tied in some way to Lev Parnas, whom he's being paid by. So Giuliani's sort of working for two clients at once, or Parnas is paying Rudy to work for Trump for free, which would be a thing of value from a foreigner. Um, and so, you know, there's no good way to spin what Rudy Giuliani is doing. The question is just what kind of criminal exposure he may have from it. So yeah, you said that he's going to try and claim, um, Attorney client privilege, right. but but zero people should give that any credibility. Mm-hmm. Every time he claims that, they should A, point out that he said that he's not working as his t- attorney here, B, that he's already shared a lot of these claims publicly. So he's already breached the privilege if it exists. And 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 C that he's working for two clients here that's not that, that's in no way ethical, but the big questions are whether it's completely illegal.
2: Right. Oh, yeah. So there are so many different ways we go. Can I kind of ask another question? and I'm not even sure if if uh, you're up to speed on this, Marcy Wheeler. But um, you mentioned that uh, Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, has already basically capitulated with Trump's demands. We heard uh, just the other day a report that uh, I mean, following. I, I can still see in my mind when, when Zelensky was sitting in the Oval Office with Donald Trump and Trump suggested you and Putin need to get together and work this thing out. And I, I thought Zelensky was about to just, you know, blow a gasket. And now we hear that he's willing to meet their demands and hold an election in, in the Russian-occupied territories of Ukraine. Basically what Russia wanted. Am right, I-
5: which, which remember, that's what Manafort was offered when he gave Konstantin Kalimnik the the campaign's strategy to win Michigan. Wow so 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 through Trump's involvement, through Trump's threats against Zelensky, he has delivered what Manafort was asked for on August 2nd, 2016. In exchange, that's why Manafort was trading polling data. We've now come full circle
2: unreal. And you still have Republicans sitting there saying, uh, you know, what investigation? Donald Trump did nothing wrong. Um, Are you starting to see uh, cracks in the armor anywhere?
5: Yeah. I mean, there are people who uh, we'll see how many join in. You know, mostly Republicans are trying to obfuscate the fact that the quasi-transcript, which is not complete that we have, mm-hmm. is unbelievably damning.
2: Right. Donald Trump yesterday said it was a full, complete uh, transcript, which obviously it is not. Now I believe that one exists. Do you think that they that will fight to get the full transcript or just run with enough damning information in what we already have?
5: Well, so there are at least six witnesses to that call, and I think um, the intelligence community can now... Call on the witnesses to that call and ask each of them what's missing from that transcript. Uh huh.
2: Okay, that's a good idea.
5: So, uh, again, we
2: have um, not only Trump, but Barr, Pompeo, Pence, Lindsey Graham, and Rudy Giuliani all implicated in this mess. Yet the Democrats are still saying, no, it's going to be a narrow focus. We're, we're only zeroing in on Trump. Is that the right way to go?
5: I, you know, they can't do that. You know, look, I mean, let's go back to Bill Barr. Um, several things that have been referred to the FBI already implicate Rudy in probable crimes, and they haven't been investigated. So we have to go to Bill Barr and say, why is it that DOJ is not investigating what appear to be slam dunk crimes? And and I, you, know, you, you have to have that conversation, because at least what Rudy's doing, and almost certainly what Pompeo's doing,
2: One last question for you, Marcy. There was a, I think it was actually, uh, if not a law, then certainly a policy, the Vandenberg Resolution. Politics stops at the water's edge. Remember, famously, during the Bush administration, the Dixie Chicks said something about being ashamed to be from Texas. And for that, people in the United States went nuts, burned records, boycotted them, banned them from radio. My, how we've come full circle, huh?
5: Yeah, I mean, but I think that the Republicans, like, look, I mean, the way in which Mike Flynn undermined Obama's efforts to retaliate, uh, retaliate against Russia for interfering in the election, that is beyond the pale and, and has largely escaped a lot of criticism. Um, and so once you've hit that, then I think the Republicans are totally off the map on caring about U.S. solidarity. Right. Right. Uh, It's
2: astounding. I mean, when I take a step back, and I've been so mired in this stuff for the last three weeks or so, that when I come up for air and look at the enormity of this, I wonder if the media... Is is adequately portraying how serious a situation we're in? I mean, this for for three years now we've been warned that a constitutional crisis is coming. Can you, Marcy Wheeler, explain just how serious the allegations against this administration are? What the moment in history we find ourselves in?
5: Well, there's the constitutional crisis. There's the fact that Trump is calling for civil war instead of uh, instead of considering resignation. But the other thing is, he's also not done anything to prevent Russia from stealing the 2020 election.
2: That's true. In fact, news that broke this week during that meeting with Lavrov and Kislyak in the Oval Office told them not to worry about interference in the election.
5: Right, right, right. So when Putin, as he did yesterday, said, of course, we're going to interfere in 2020. Yeah, he's going to. And I think that we have, we have not paid enough attention to uh to reasons to worry that Russia will be even more successful in 2020 than they were in
2: 2016
5: oh god uh
2: Buckle in, as if we're not already on the biggest roller coaster uh, ever invented. Uh, Marcy Wheeler, uh, thank you so much. Uh, Obviously, I'm struggling through this story. I appreciate you helping to put it all in perspective. Marcy Wheeler, you find her on Twitter, at Empty Wheel, and of course, at her blog, at EmptyWheel.net. Thank you so much for enlightening us with with your insight. I always appreciate it.
5: Take care, Nicole. Marcy
2: Wheeler, follow her on Twitter, at Empty Wheel, and find her blog, at EmptyWheel.net. If you read it, you learn something. At least I do. I'm Nicole Sandler, filling in for Brad Friedman and Desi Doyen on today's edition of The Bradcast. (laughs)
5: bradblog.com slash donate that's bradblog.com slash donate and thanks
4: hi this is brad my thanks to those who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to sign up for a subscription to the bradcast of any amount you like we rely on you to stay on your public airwaves please grab a subscription at bradblog.com donate thank you
2: Welcome back to the Bradcast. I'm Nicole Santler. We've got a few minutes at the end of the show and there's something that has been bugging me. Brad's theme song, as you know, is Stuck in the Middle with You. He opens the show with it every day. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle. I do believe that the nation has moved further to the left. And the idea of... Medicare for All, A Living Wage, many of the positions that historically had been thought of as left or progressive or liberal are now pretty much in the center. But if you listen to the way the media describes (laughs) the right wing of the Democratic Party, they call them centrists or moderates. I call them conservadems. The same with the not-quite-as-crazy right-wingers. They're called moderates. I call them, well, still right wingers, just not as crazy as the rest of them. So, how we label ourselves is worth, I guess, examining. Anyway, there's an article that has been making the rounds for the last week or so on social media that I want to share with you. It's written by a guy named John Pavlovitz. And I wasn't familiar with him. It turns out he's a writer and a pastor and an activist from Wake Forest, North Carolina, who in the past four years, his blog has blown up. It's called Stuff That Needs To Be Said. His bio says he's a 20-year veteran in the trenches of local church ministry. He's committed to equality, diversity, and justice, both inside and outside faith communities. In 2017, he released a book called A Bigger Table, and his new book, Hope and Other Superpowers, will be published in November. In the meantime, as I said, this essay headlined, I'm not the radical left, I'm the humane middle, is striking a chord with a lot of people, myself included. So let me share it with you. John Pavlovitz writes, Apparently, I've been radicalized and I wasn't aware. Certain people call me the radical left all the time. I never considered myself radical before. I just thought I was normal, ordinary, usual. I thought equity was important to everyone. I imagined America was filled with people who took that life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness stuff seriously for all people. I thought the Golden Rule was actually mainstream. Recently, I took an inventory of my positions, screening for the extremism. I believe in full LGBTQ rights. I believe we should protect the planet. I believe everyone deserves health care. I believe all religions are equally valid. I believe the world is bigger than America. I believe to be pro-life means to treasure all of it. I believe whiteness isn't superior, and it is not the baseline of humanity. I believe we are all one interdependent community. I believe people and places are made better by diversity. I believe people shouldn't be forced to abide by anyone else's religion. I believe non-American human beings have as much value as American ones. I believe generosity is greater than greed, compassion better than contempt, and kindness superior to derision. I believe there is enough in this world for everyone—enough food, enough money, enough room, enough care— if we unleash our creativity and unclench our fists. I'm not sure how these ideas became radical— though it seems to have happened in the last few years. I grew up being taught they were just part of being a decent human being. I grew up believing that loving my neighbor as myself meant that I actually worked for their welfare as much as my own. I was taught that caring for the least in the world was the measure of my devotion to God. I thought that inalienable rights of other people were supposed to be a priority as a decent participant in the world. I don't think I'm alone." In fact, I'm pretty sure that most people reside here, in this place alongside me. The desire for compassion and diversity and equality and justice, that these things aren't fringe ideologies or extremist positions, but simply the best way to be human. I think most people want more humanity, not less. I think the vast middle is exhausted by the cruelty of these days. That these aspirations seem so radical to some people is probably an alarm that they've moved so far into the extremes of their fortified ideological bunkers and been so poisoned by the propaganda that normal now seems excessive, that equality now seems oppressive, that goodness feels reckless. Maybe the problem is these people are so filled with fear for those who are different, so conditioned to be at war with the world, so indoctrinated into a white nationalistic religion of malice, that they've lost sight of what being a human being looks like anymore. I'm pretty sure that I don't represent the, quote, radical left, but the vast, disparate, compassionate, humane middle. People who are not threatened by someone else's presence, who do not see someone else's gain as their loss— who don't worship a Caucasian American god. I suppose humanity feels radical to inhumane people. In that case, I'll gladly be here in my extremism. Beautifully said by John Pavlovitz, again, the article or essay headlined, I'm not the radical left, I'm the humane middle. Good food for thought. Something worth sharing. So I'll post the link along with today's program at bradblog.com. All right, I see we've got a few minutes left. On my show, which I host Tuesday through Friday, always post it at NicoleSandler.com. Go there, check it out, download it as you please, and share it. I'd like to start each day with something funny. I try to start the show with a laugh because I know that in the course of the hour that follows, things are going to get downright serious. Well, we've been so serious here for so long that I think we need a little bit of levity. I know Brad and Desi are also fans of Randy Rainbow. I love him. And although he doesn't have a new song out, I'm guessing there's one coming any day now because I can't imagine he'll be silent through all this Michigas going on. But I thought I'd reach back into the archives, which, for one, that, well, fits the theme. So take it away, Randy Rainbow.
1: We are back, and I'm joined now by a very special guest, the President of the United States. Are we still going with that title? Yes, they're telling me yes. Okay, still good. Uh, welcome, Mr. President. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you must be very busy cleaning out your desk. Uh, it has been quite a dramatic Newsweek for you. They make up lies. I've seen it many times. They make up things. I mean, two former employees convicted, one implicating you as a co-conspirator in his crimes, a public feud with your attorney general, friends and allies, even doormen flipping on you left and right.
0: I know all about flipping. For 30, 40 years, I've been watching flippers.
1: Such a good show.
0: Look, I didn't know Manafort well. He wasn't with the campaign long. Well, then why
1: don't we start with your former attorney and fixer, Michael Cohen? I always found him to be a nice guy. Were you aware of the hush money payments he is now saying were financed by the campaign per your instruction?
0: They didn't come out of the campaign. They came from me, and I tweeted about it. You know, I put, I don't know if you know, but I tweeted. I know. uh, About the payments. But they didn't come out of campaign. Did they come out of the campaign? They didn't come out of the campaign, and that's big. Huge. Because that could be illegal. A little dicey. Or illegal. But they weren't, that's not a, it's not even a campaign. A violation. If you look at President Obama, he had a massive... Pecker. Uh, David Pecker, your friend and CEO of the National
1: Enquirer, has recently been granted immunity in the Cohen investigation and is said
0: to have a lot of dirt on you. I don't know. I've always had controversy in my life, and I've always succeeded. I've always won.
1: Well, some say you're about to win most likely to get impeached.
0: (laughs) I'll tell you what. If I ever got impeached, I think the market would crash. If you ever got impeached? I think everybody would be very poor.
1: Why, if you ever got impeached, you would... You would probably start crying, then rehash all the lying and rhetoric you've preached. All the Dems would be smirking Jim Acosta would start twerking If you ever got impeached If I ever got impeached You could just give in to Muller, Then go and get some color By lying on a beach This is all natural, right? With the crimes you've been fixing, You could be another Nixon If you only got impeached
0: I think the market would crash You'd be through
1: and take with you Our worries and our strife You'd return to only burdening your wife And we'd resume A normal life Find a lawyer, cause you'll need one Write a book or learn to read one Or get your eyebrows bleached Cause Just relax at the Spago F*** yourself at Mar-a-Lago When you, if you get impeached
0: I don't, I don't know how you can impeach somebody Who's done a great job
1: You'd be more than implicated for laws you violated and protocols you breached.
0: Because without this thinking, we
1: could finally all stop drinking if you ever got peace. I think everybody
0: would be very poor.
1: We would dance and sing and revel. No one else has hit the level of infamy you've reached. Giuliani could retire, Pence could join a gay men's choir if you ever get impeached. The president did nothing wrong. When you flee, take Huckabee, and finally I'll be calm. I'd ask Michael Avenatti to the prom, and Kellyanne could move to Guam. More than half the country's waiting, so think about the ratings. Cause when you gave your speech... We would all tune in to listen, you could finally go to
0: prison. I'm not involved, I wasn't charged with anything.
1: If you ever got
2: impeached. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I think everybody would be very poor.
1: What would you do with the brain if you had one?
2: Oh, no. Randy Rainbow, the genius of Randy Rainbow. I live in uh, South Florida. Randy Rainbow tours constantly. I'll be seeing him down here on October 18th. I saw him last year. I highly recommend if he comes to your town, um, go check him out. It would. It's a night of smart, funny, raucous humor. And we all need that. We need... An escape, a diversion from the insanity that is the Trump administration. And with that, we come to the end of another edition of the Bradcast. Thank you again for bearing with me. I'm Nicole Sandler. Find me anytime at NicoleSandler.com and back here tomorrow for another edition of the Bradcast.